Okay, I introduced the last one. Did you? I reckon I did. I think you might have. Welcome to episode 40 of the Creative Coding Podcast with me, Seb Lee Delisle. And me, Ian Lobb. 40. The big four zero. We've reached middle age. <laughs> well, only <laughs> if we're accelerating at a very rapid rate. One, well, it's like... it's not years. Of, it's like internet years. Oh, that is true, actually. <laughs> it feels like about 40 years since we were off the air as well. Absolutely. And that sort of, that ties in neatly to our theme <laughs> state, doesn't it? It does. Oh my God. We're like professionals. This is so, we're Johnny Segment, Johnny Segway. Johnny Segway. Right. I have no idea what that's referring to, but sure. Because we are segueing into the fact that this episode, we're going to talk about everything that happened in creative technology while we were off the air. Everything. Everything. And I what? mean everything. I don't mean everything. <laughs> <laughs> We've got no idea. Just bullet really? points, really, isn't it? Yeah. We'll just pick some subjects. It'll be brilliant. Should we have, well, I don't know. How should we start? Okay. Let's just go into the first one then. All right. Oculus VR. Cool. So, Have you worked with Oculus? What's that? Have you worked with it? Um, not really personally, but I have used it and I have gone on, done some of the demos and things. And also yeah. um, when I was teaching last year, some of my students used it uh, for their projects. So I've sort of chatted you, a lot to you're, people you're using familiar. it. Yeah. Um, it's been around for a while though, isn't it? The first version. But there's a new version. Well, right? I, do you know what, though? It's all moved so quickly that I think that basically even the first version was still... DevKit 1 had maybe only just came out when we stopped doing the podcast. Yeah. And in that time, it's been crazy because there's been DevKit 2 and there's been, like, two other things shown in between as well. And, uh, and Facebook bought them. Yeah, and Facebook bought them. Which and I, don't, I don't get. They've also announced the first commercial thing, which is the Gear VR, which is the, okay. I think it's a Samsung phone that you slide into the front of it. Is that a bit like Google Cardboard? It sort of is, but as a, done as a proper product. So, so Google Cardboard is a, a bit of cardboard that you can fold up and it's got lenses in and you can make your, presumably, Android phone into like a VR headset. Sure. And it's got like a divider, right? To separate your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And just for clarification, Oculus VR is a VR virtual reality headset, which did a Kickstarter a while back and is now out with lots of developers. And it costs about $200 or 200 quid. Is that right? I have no idea. So that it's relatively, cheap. yeah, it's relatively affordable. Like for, oh. for a bit of kit like that, like it's, it's not too bad. Um, yeah. The first one used... I think, uh, tilt sensors and things to, to track its motion. But the latest ones are, they've gone with a camera instead. So there's a camera that films you and the goggles have like points on them and it, it mm. works by tracking those points and that turns out to be faster and more accurate than using uh, like, like accelerometers and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sounds good. Yeah, it's cool. So, and to use like, I'm a, an, a, an, a complete true believer in, in VR now. Like, I think that it's not there yet, but the potential is absolutely amazing. You've got, so, uh, who's the guy? John Carmack, who was the guy who built Quake and Doom, all those engines. Yeah. He works for them now as their CTO. 
So here's all that Facebook money. Yeah, exactly. You can hire people like that. So that's massive because he's just one of the most genius people in the world. Yeah. And yeah, it's loads of potential, I think. And like, you can't really explain it without just trying one on your head. But now I tried it a couple of times, right? Right. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing it must have been the first version because it didn't seem very high resolution to me. No, the first um, version, yeah. The and it also didn't seem not... like a very wide angle of viewing. It seemed like a little yep. bit like you're looking through binoculars, right? Yep. You, you've got no peripheral vision, yep. right? Yeah, Which and I, is... don't, I don't think they're fixing that anytime soon either, I think. Really? Yeah. Because... Yeah. Well, anyway, I just got, I got a massive headache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the first time I used it, I felt afterwards... I'll tell you what happened. I was doing this one demo, which is like the one where you walk around a Spanish villa... Okay. And I was at my friend Mike's and he didn't have a controller. So I was using like keyboard and mouse to navigate. <laughs> and I miss, I miss put my hand on the keys because obviously you can't see the keyboard. Yeah. And so rather than being on like the WASD, I was on like the ESD, ESDF or something. So yeah. when I was pressing left, it you were going turned down. right. And as soon as that happened, I was instantly motion sick. And I was, I felt sick for about the next day, <laughs> I would say. It was pretty But young. then I should just probably add the caveat that um, I do get quite sick just playing FPSs. Yeah, I mean, you're hosed at this point. You've got, yeah. I can't really yeah. play. Like, I just can't play those games. Like last Christmas, I really tried really hard. And I was playing GTA 5 all the time. And I sort of got over it a bit. Yeah. But I still, yeah just feel a bit sick with those yeah yeah it's it's fairly common to do that terrible isn't it that's why I, that's why I, well i would i guess i could say that i'm all old-fashioned and i just like 2d games but i think it's like we were talking about this a bit i think or i was chatting with someone that you only have a like a ton of disposable time when you're at a certain age yeah whatever age <laughs> you whatever year that is yeah like for me i guess it was like late 80s early mid 80s (laughs) so like whatever the games were there that's what i spent my whole time playing particularly elite yes which i absolutely love that's one of the games that you can play on the oculus now yeah you can play that's what i'm you know it's a bit sad but i'm like really excited about that game Uh, yeah (laughs) elite dangerous yeah yeah because you know it's like well i suppose the cliche is but everyone says it is that everyone who's kind of my age spent their you know when they were in very young early teenagers spent all their time flying this ship around and i guess it was the first like free roaming game is that what you call it a game mm. where you can yeah yeah it was the first open one world. and it was yeah open world that's the, the term i'm thinking of and it was just huge you know to have all that eight galaxies thousands of stars to explore in 32k was just like impossible right yeah that's a bit of an achievement as magical and so now to see i mean i guess it's just a really to see elite dangerous now it's just a really good reminder to show you how far we've come right yes because it's like okay we've gone from like cutting edge 3d to being like wireframe low resolution wires and that's like state of the art and now we've come to this and it's so well rendered, isn't it? It's gorgeous. It runs in 4K, apparently. Or 8K, was it? I think they're saying it runs in 8K. 8K? Yeah. 
Who's got I know, the graphics? I, might... I think to power 4K, you need two graphics cards, right? Yeah. No, I could have I could have just doubled this because I'm getting excited. But <laughs> I know that they have like written it so that in the future, it will work with really, really crazy high resolution. Right. So I thought it was 8K. But then but the textures will only be painted up to a certain resolution, though. So after a point, like adding extra Ks doesn't actually increase the visual quality unless each texture is like 8,000 by 8,000 pixels itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, they're still the edges though, isn't it? Yeah. 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 You get better, crisper edges. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I've so seen anyway. some really nice, um, spaceship setups, which yeah. are like where you get, say, uh, three huge monitors and you put them around you in a sort of semicircle. And that's like the cockpit. And in a way that's better than VR. Like I yeah. had a look at one of those curved TVs in the shop the other day and it's a similar experience like uh, where being sort of enclosed in a in an image, like it is filling your peripheral vision. It doesn't have that problem that the Oculus does where you're just yeah. looking at a very small part. It's like yeah. it's, it is more immersive in a way, even though you're, you're not in I the th- world. I think, um, I guess they have designed it though. So you are like sitting in your spaceship, right? And if you look down, you see like your hand on the, stick and stuff like that yeah which is quite yeah fun, but then you it? still but you've still got the problem where you don't have peripheral vision whereas yeah. if you've surrounded yourself by like three 40 inch monitors then you look down and you see your actual hands. you do see your actual <laughs> hands but i mean it's up to you how much you want to go with the role play and like buy a cool joystick and some gloves <laughs> yeah. and yeah, a flight so suit a fl- <laughs> yeah space flight suit that's totally what you'd need for sure yeah but no i've, I've been ridiculously um excited about it. obviously but not excited enough to get a PC. Right. <laughs> yeah, you'll it. be playing it in a little window on your Mac. Yeah, a little 800, like 600 window. Oh, I don't know. I just, you know, what I'm scared of though is that I, you know, I don't have that disposable time anymore. No. Right? And I just don't have time to explore space anymore. Oh, it's, that's sad. It's really sad, isn't it? Yeah. I've just I'm... let go of my dreams of becoming a space trader. Well, there's another game called uh, No Man's Sky. I don't know if you've seen that one. Oh, is that, that the one that was all, was also like really massively uh, algorithmically generated yeah. worlds? But it was really stylized, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and really sort yeah. of colourful. It's really colourful. It's they they always reference like the, the cover of uh, sci-fi novels, yeah, as their sort of their whole. That's the sort of driving force for the whole game, basically. Like, yeah. So, yeah. well, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because obviously, like, Elite comes from a position of sort of pseudo-realism, doesn't it? Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, more, it, it's not yeah. trying to be too... I mean, obviously, there are st- it is stylized. Yeah. Like, normally, when you fly around space, you're not going to see a nebula in every solar system. But yeah. <laughs> in terms of, like, the distance between planets and getting some sort of realism of the sort of amount of time it would probably mm. take... And and it's not like it's not really stylized. It sort of looks quite realistic, doesn't it? Yeah. And then Whereas No Man's Sky is just like like you say, inspired by fiction. Yeah, it's the movie version. It's like yeah. if you take off from the planet, you can fly to the next planet, and it's going to take movie time. It's going to take five minutes or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but isn't that what you want though? Don't you want the movie version? Do you really want the realistic version? But then there are there are realistic movies as well. I, th- I would say Elite Dangerous is like, you know, Gravity, <laughs> or um, Intergla- Interstellar, whereas like probably No Man's Sky is like Star Wars. 
Yeah, June. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah one of the, yeah, sort of slightly more fantastical sci-fi's. Yeah, I mean it's a bit sad as well because while we've been off the air, like obviously you had the like two different space, real life space crashes. Oh, um, hang on, what happened? There was a space Richard Branson spaceship crash and the pilot died, which was very sad. And then That's pretty sad. Uh, what was the other one? They had a failed launch recently, yeah, there was a, a delivery to the ISS. Yeah, so, it's, and it's, when things like that happen, it is sad because, you know, for a lot of people, probably not for me, I grew up after the space race was already done with, really, but for a lot of people, like, that's their, how they monitor progress into the future, like the famous hoverboards and jetpacks. Well, actually, I love space, and I'm a total space nut. I guess it was all happening around the time that I was born and just before actually like there was I think the last Apollo mission was 1972 or 71 and that was when I was I was born in 72 um but I've got this newspaper which my parents kept and it's the times right from 1969 and apparently it was the first ever time it was printed in color right because there's color photos of like the Apollo 11 moon landings and it's still sort of in my you know my one of my treasured possessions yeah wow so, so i sort of grew up with that in the background the whole time and i guess there was skylab and then but my earliest memory really was the first space shuttle launch you know which what i guess was that like 82 or something like that <laughs> yeah i, mean, I don't know i was one 83? in 1982 so yeah i mean i was really i was like 10 or 11 or something like that but i always really wanted to be an astronaut so yeah. i ended up going to Houston Mission Control and all that a couple of few years ago. It was brilliant. I'll tell you something quite sad is, do you remember the guy Felix who jumped out of a hot air balloon? Oh, yeah. Baumgartner? Uh, yeah, okay. So people were more excited like that? about that than, like, our actual space programme. I think people are getting excited about space again, though, aren't they? I mean, it, it really has been... Uh... For quite a long time, and people can, just aren't interested. Yeah, it's almost but incomprehensible, recently, though, isn't it? That it, that you could go meh about. I know these, the most amazing technology, putting yeah. people into orbit. People live in space. It's like yeah. this is science fiction stuff, still, really. But it's really. I mean, I get seriously excited about it. You don't have to say it to me. I've been reading <laughs> all of the astronaut books lately. I've been reading all the Apollo astronauts books. The best one is Mike Collins' book. I think it's called. Uh, riding the fire or something like that right. it's the best one and it's literally it's like contemporary as well so it's like a year or two after it actually happened but it's right. written in a very uh, accessible very down-to-earth quite modern way so you know he's talking about a few adult themes and stuff that you might not sort of necessarily think would be uh, you know would have happened at the time but mm. he's very honest about you know the, the you know i guess the going to the toilet side of being an astronaut you know <laughs> which everyone wants to know about don't they but yeah. that's, the, that's the best <laughs> astronaut book i've ever read you can't even get it on kindle which is annoying what's it called by i think it's called ride riding the carrying the fire that's uh, what it's called okay. carrying the fire but if you want um a modern astronaut's book there's i think it's mike mullane his book and what's his book called I don't know, it's, I can't quite remember, but he's a space shuttle astronaut and he's clearly sort of like a slightly geeky sort of um, joker, I suppose. Right. Um, he's not but, the guy who played uh, ground control to Major Tom. No, space that's, Odyssey. that's Chris Hadfield. Right. So Chris Hadfield, 
I think Chris Hadfield sort of single-handedly reinvigorated enthusiasm back into the space program, right? Yeah, I mean, Just they've got too much time up there, clearly. On <laughs> well, no, I mean, he clearly, he properly, properly, they don't have too much time. No, That's of course the not, thing, no. Is that they, every single second of every single day is allocated to, to sort of space projects. So it was him and I believe the Canadian Space Agency and I think also his son, on Earth, who was sort of coordinating all of that Twitter, uh, you know, um, interactions. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And the the space video was recorded on Earth before, like obviously not the space part, but the audio was recorded on Earth. So it was properly planned and thought through. Yeah. Clearly, this was something Chris Hadfield and the Canadian Space Agency really wanted to do, and it, and and of course it really worked better than I guess they ever could imagine. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I love that. There guy. was Channel Four did a, a great season actually of space stuff while we were off the air. Don't know if you saw any of that. I did the live shows. Yeah, and they did. Just some had some documentaries filmed on the International Space Station as well that were really good. Oh, I love space. So we probably shouldn't talk about space <laughs> anymore. No. So what we Oculus was supposed to be a segue <laughs> into uh, Unity, Unity, Unity Five, and Unreal Four. So two three D, probably the biggest two three D game engines. Uh, You've been doing loads of Unity, right? I have, yeah. And I haven't been doing loads of Unreal, but it's definitely something that I'd like to play with just because uh, it gives... Well, what's cool about Unreal 4 is that it has... Or Unreal in general, but Unreal 4 is that it has a great default look. Like, all the default set, set up for it just looks great out of the box, if that makes sense. Whereas Unity, like, isn't really like that. Like, Unity doesn't look that great out of the box and you have to tweak the projects a lot to get rid of the default stuff and actually get in like nicer lighting and colors but unity 5 which is uh you can pre-order it now but it's going to be out really soon and if you pre-order it you can get access to the beta beta we say beta in england i know but it's one of those things where i hear beta so much that it it you almost I mean, if you're going to say you it in American, then you've got to go for it. It's got to be like... Bader. Bader. <laughs> yeah. That's... Sorry to all Americans. We are crap at American accents. North Americans. North Americans. Well, <laughs> I just, I'm just apologising to all Americans and everyone else in the world yeah. as well. Uh, so, yeah. So, Unreal, they obviously had a lot of competition from Unity. And so they unveiled this crazy pricing structure which is that you can get Unreal for $19 a month, uh, including the full source code. And then you have to pay them 5% of your revenues on your game as well. But that's it. Um, which makes it hmm. super affordable. Like You really can't argue with that. Like, so it's opened it up to indies, basically, yeah. isn't it? Whereas Uni- do you think, Unity is... Do you think that 5% model is... Is, do you think indies prefer that than like just paying a what is it? I suppose the the full Unity is expensive, isn't it? But Unity uh, Unity is there's a free version, but it's yeah. not like the full version. And if you want the full version, it's fifteen hundred dollars. And if you want all the licenses, uh, the iOS license is another fifteen hundred dollars, and the Android license is another fifteen hundred dollars. So yeah, I think for indies like the Nineteen dollars a month plus five percent is like way more it's affordable. It's a bit more workable, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, because you probably won't sell any. <laughs> I mean, that is the sad truth of indie development, though. It's like, 
there aren't that many hits for every hit. Well, there's, even though there are a lot of hits for every hit, there's loads of misses. Which is, think, so what can you do with the free version of Unity? Oh, you can do pretty much everything. But like, for example, if you publish on mobile, instead of having a uh, def- uh, custom splash image, you have uh, like the Unity logo. It's things like that. And you also don't get access to all the profilers and things like that, which you really need if you want to get the performance like exactly humming. So... Yeah, it's one of those things where if you're just like starting out, you wouldn't really notice the difference. But as you get further into it, you sort of need, want it or need it. And for professional projects as well, like uh, or like for client projects, say like clients aren't going to want the Unity logo in their thing. So I guess it's it seems to me like Unity are a bit on the I'm oh, sorry Unreal are a bit on the back foot. Because Unity has become this massive thing in Unreal because it was aimed at uh, like proper game studios, right? Yeah. Hugely expensive. And so now they've sort of, they're trying to catch up with Unity on the indie game market. I think so, especially because that's like, that's the way PC games seem to be going is that like, if you look on Steam, a lot of the big hits are indie games, often by fairly big teams, but... Um, you know, they're still it's not just... the uh, the big studios. No, exactly. Anymore, still, it? people just operating from their own houses, like a lot of the time, like remote teams where the different team members are all over the world, or in other, you know, in other parts of the world, maybe than like the traditional AAA industry has been based as well. So, but yeah. I mean, creatively, like both of these things just offer masses of. sort of creative potential for doing things like uh, you you know stuff you really couldn't dream of like certainly when I started out um, back in well about almost 15 years ago which is nuts there's just so much you can do and it all looks amazing and you can put a helmet on your head and it's VR and I'd like to look at Unity again I, I was using it quite a lot a few years ago but I haven't really looked at it much since then I'd like to. I'd, what I'd really like to do is see about how I could sort of integrate it in with other parts of art installation stuff. You know, yeah. I, I guess I'd probably have to write some custom code for doing camera manipulation and interactions and mm. stuff like there that. Are, be, there are plugins for quite a lot of things, like, uh, you know, at the, uh, back at the university, they had this uh, dome cinema so that's like dome it's a special kind of thing yeah um they've usually got those special lenses don't they? yeah Single exactly projector can cover and a whole dome. to do a 3d space you need to have a special um you need to de- deform the image in a special way basically before you project it um for it to for it to look right after it goes through this lens and for example like some there was already a plug-in for unity for that to to do dome stuff so yeah because yeah. i mean that's the great thing about unity i guess is that because so many people use it like people have already <laughs> solved a lot of the the problems and they're doing are they doing a webgl output as well yeah they? so that's that's finally in... do you remember we spoke to unity guy on our podcast oh, did we yeah, yeah it, was it was a Aris really early one prank of, i don't know how to pronounce his surname i'm sorry aris <laughs> p aris p yeah let's <laughs> stick with that um but of course now ralph howard who 
I worked with on the paper vision project works yep. at Unity, and we should probably ask him. <laughs> yeah, I think he's. In fact, I think he's working on the WebGL. I believe exporter. he is. Yeah, because he worked on the Flash thing that they did, yeah. and then they sunsetted that, and uh, yeah, I think they transferred him onto that. So interesting. It's not the way they. Yeah, we should. It's not the way they do that because it goes through like a five-stage conversion where they convert the C sharp into. C++ and then into C <laughs> and then they convert that into JavaScript via... It's kind of insane, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But Ralph's, um, he doesn't go... To, I don't see him at conferences and stuff anymore because he's, he's a family man now. I think he's got twins. And uh, But last time I saw him was when I was doing some training at, in Denmark with Lego. Right. In Billund, because I think he lives near there. I think it's in Aarhus. I'm not sure, but it's somewhere nearby, so... We had a nice mellow evening together catching up. It was good. Cool. Yeah, he'd be good. Well, if and when we get guests, uh, (laughs) we can have these sorts of people on. Cool. So that was that. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, also, so also while we were off the air, you've got, there was a new generation of video games consoles. Which I have no experience (laughs) of. The PlayStation 4, I haven't got one yet, no. No. I, I want both. I want all of them, really. There's the PS4, yeah. the Xbox One, and the Wii U. And I want I want are, all of them, and I also want to develop on all of them. Are yeah. they expensive? Not really. Well... A couple hundred... 300 quid? Yeah, that sort of money. So quite expensive. Quite expensive, but... I really want to try less than, The Last less than of like Us. A, much less than like an iPhone, say. Which, Isn't The Last of Us meant to be a really good game? It's supposed to be really good, but people say it's really... I've not played it, but people say it's good mostly because of the story. Mm. And I tend to not really get into story-driven games that much yeah like, what do you like i'd rather get my stories up. off of tv yeah i prefer games that are more gameplay based i don't know not necessarily things. blowing things up and shooting things so we, we don't really have much to say about the new consoles <laughs> oh, other than uh it <laughs> all good. Syn- it's all synchronous with the new versions of these things because like uh, Unity dropped all their license fees or at least the console people paid for them where if you're developing in Unity uh, or Unreal or even Game Maker, I think, for PS4, you can, without buying a license, like if you're approved onto the sort of developer programs for these consoles, you can just use Unity, whereas it used to cost like a huge sum of money. (laughs) It's now like included in your thing so yeah again so like this this is something that wasn't true when we went off the air is that like console development is now like super accessible well not super accessible not to the point that android development say is but much more accessible than it's ever ever been yeah well that's good you can literally just write an email to these people and say i've got this game and i would like to put it on your console and they'll go yeah pretty much so it's nuts that's cool Browser developments? Yeah, that was our next topic. Um, <laughs> What's happened? Loads. Yeah, quite a lot. Is Flash dead yet? <laughs> it's, it sort of is and it sort of isn't. Like, Oh, come on. G- g- uh, g- Chrome actually seems to... Are you even to... talking about it still? You st- I didn't write it on this slide. You've just said that. It doesn't... In a, like, for the record, was, in our notes, it doesn't I was making a retro joke. <laughs> I was trying to be all cute and oh, like nostalgic. There's too many. There's too much hurt feelings involved. It's not. I saw too it. soon. I'm going to say, Seb. Too soon. Did you? Too soon. How can it be too soon? Oh, it was nearly soon enough when we started this podcast. Yeah, I mean, it, that's it. It's pretty much 
It's what, what, what I want you to do, actually, before the next episode, because I think the next episode is going to be, I said on Twitter, our third anniversary, but it's not. It's going to be our fourth anniversary. What? Yeah, because we started in January 2011. What? <laughs> so I was a year <laughs> off. That's, that's really old. That's super old, isn't it? But yeah. 2011, 12... Uh, yeah so before the next episode i want you to go and listen to episode one because it's Mm. it's quite painful to listen to but do i have to it's just for the if you to enjoy the cringe (laughs) i think it's worth it and it's so funny like i'm super optimistic about flash it's it's hilarious really (laughs) Uh, i'm like yeah it's gonna be fine you guys don't worry living the dream oh bless we were so young and you you weren't though you just given you just given a talk that was like the nail in the coffin of Flash, where you were like, "Yeah," which incidentally got <laughs> my first ever a hundred percent approval rating at Flash on the Beach. So it can't have been that bad, could it? No. Anyway, what cool. what has what what relevant stuff has happened? <laughs> cool. In in well, the browser, uh, you've got WebGL on iOS. Well, that's cool. That is um, cool. I haven't installed I haven't, I, iOS 8 yet. I did, <laughs> so I did open <laughs> I did open this 3D model right. in a browser. It was like, because I've been doing a lot of 3D printing lately. We should talk about that, but we should have an episode about 3D printing. But I, was, I, I followed some link to some 3D model and I could see it in 3D on my phone. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That is cool. I guess that must be it, right? What iOS are you on? 8. Yeah, maybe. Because I looked at... There was a thing that was... Uh, what was it? Uh, Airbnb. They had yeah. like a spinning globe. You know, the, <laughs> you remember spinning <laughs> globes, Seb? They're, they're making a comeback. Yes! Like every pay-per-vision pay project was a 3D globe. But um, <laughs> yeah, that worked on my phone though. So that can't have been WebGL. That must have been something else. Mm, animated GIF. Uh <laughs> A thousand DOM elements spinning around. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Probably, well, browsers probably... are getting good though, aren't they? Although sometimes I find that, um, you know, because I run the creative JavaScript courses and there was a, a, like when I started running them, probably three years ago, maybe. Right. And some stuff just wouldn't run and the fans would come on and everything. And now, like, it's just, it was just, it was getting crazy performant just on 2D canvas. And... But recently I find in Chrome, sometimes there'll be a little step backwards in yeah. some of the rendering on Canvas. It's a bit weird. It can sometimes, I think they mess something up every now and again. Yeah, well, they're doing, they're doing that with, with the Flash plugin that's built into Chrome as well. Like every so often they'll just break it and things <laughs> won't work properly. Yeah, they're crazy but guys admit- at Chrome. They like use the pub, general public as their sort of testers. Yeah, but the the big thing in in um, browsers lately, though, because I mean I'm not really as up to date on it as I should be, but I do go to a lot of web conferences, and what people seem to be talking about a lot is offline. Mm. So that's that's a new important thing. Which yeah, I know nothing about. Well, I mean that makes sense though, because sometimes you're like on a train and stuff, aren't you? And you don't have. Connect internet oh, they did at full frontal 
in November, you know Remy's conference, uh-huh. his JavaScript conference in Brighton that I spoke at uh, a few years ago. Um, there was a guy there called Ben Foxall. I was going to call him Ben Fox, but it's Ben Foxall. And uh, I've been chatting to him for a, a year or two. He's a really nice, clever young guy. Um, and he did a Pixel Phones type thing right. at Full Frontal. So Pixel Phones is a project I did a few years ago, which syncs up all the phones in the audience and locates them with clever computer vision techniques and makes patterns and games go across all the phones. But what Ben did, which was really clever, is... Um, he did it, well, first of all, he did it all in the browser, which I did as well, because it was the browser running on the phones. But Ben figured out a way of doing something meaningful without any active communication between the server and the browser. And he even figured out a way to locate the phones without any communication back and forth. It was really, really clever um, because it was all, all the logic was in the browser. Um, So what, what he did was he showed a camera view on the screen of everyone in the audience and a line went across one way and then back the other way again. And when that line went over you, you had to tap a button. Right. right. And of course he didn't even have to get it in sync because it went left and then right. All he had to do in the browser is measure the distance in time between the two taps and he could figure out where you are horizontally. <laughs> yeah. That's so using really the clever. human and then intelligence it just went, to plug And then it gap. just went on and, and did this little pattern of, things by itself which was really cool um i liked it a lot i'm hoping to resurrect pixel phones this year i'm going for a meeting with uh another famous band representative right next week so we'll see how that goes but yeah i'm quite up for doing some more pixel phones i think um the communication like the wi-fi is getting better isn't it (laughs) yeah yeah that's cool they're running out of time yeah well, we're we're almost we're getting there though. Yeah. Yeah. So, WebGL is in IE, I believe. Web Audio apparently still not in IE. So that's crazy. That sort talk. of spoils it, and I think that's why with the Unity stuff, they're saying their current sort of party line is use you can use WebGL for Chrome and Firefox. Oh, of yeah. course, because Chrome are d- d- turning off all plugins in the summer. Yeah. For good forever. Oh. So, well, all add-ons as well, or every. What do they call those things? In yeah, Chrome? not those, not, not those. the add-on. No, things. but what all... are they called? I extensions. Extensions, yeah. Yeah, that's so a... extensions are cool. That's what they're ways of chroming code, coding Chrome, though, right? I don't know. That's I think, but anything that's like a plugin, so like Silverlight, Unity, um, uh, Java like Java applets, all of that is being turned off forever. Which is crazy if you think about it. Like, who predicted that? So then Flash will be dead for real? No, because Flash is still built into Chrome. Oh, so Flash will still be (laughs) in Chrome? Yeah. Flash survives all of this. It's the cockroaches. It's like the cockroaches (laughs) in the nuclear winter. This is the Flash nuclear winter. (laughs) It's the cockroach of plugins. Yeah. <laughs> it, it survives weirdly, but there you go. So, going on from that, uh, yeah, and two awesome libraries that I yeah. just thought I'd drop in because they're both written by friends of mine and they're both fantastic. 
Um, one is called Pixie JS. <laughs> bit of nepotism going on here. <laughs> they I'm also sure happen to be the the best at what they do. So one is right, Pixie JS, written by my friend Matt Groves, and that is a cool library that is basically gives you a flash type coding paradigm with sprites and like a hierarchy of things that you can rotate and move around and put like one thing the movie inside. Clip. Like movie clips, yeah. Or what like do they call and that? It's, it's like a scene graph, basically. Scene graph, that's the Yeah, word and I it's a renderer of. and it will... And you can... There's all the nice things like supports uh, atlases and all that stuff. Can it, can it... Is it WebGL? Yeah, so the, what makes it clever is that it's WebGL, but if you don't... It's 2D graphics yeah. and it uses WebGL to render it, but if you don't have WebGL, it drops down to a 2D canvas renderer. Yeah, which will show up on anything. So it basically solves that whole huge problem, like gets you amazing performance if you've got WebGL and pretty decent performance even if you've only just got normal 2D normal canvas. Canvas, yeah. So that's cool. So then, sounds good. On top of that, um, uh, another internet friend of mine, Rich uh, Photon Storm, has built Richard Davy. Yeah, has built yes. Phaser. Which is like it's a game engine. A game engine, yeah, built on top of Pixie. Uses Pixie for rendering, but it gives mm. you all the things you need for a game engine, like physics, uh, input, uh, you know, a component-based like architecture, different types of renderers, different types of physics, yeah. creating and destroying things, a game loop, um, different time steps, all that sort of stuff. So, but Richard's good at all that stuff, isn't he? Yeah, because he worked on. He worked a lot on Flixel and he built his own set of tools that extended Flixel, which was like a flash game engine. Yeah. And then, yeah, he built this engine from scratch and it's really good and it seems to be getting a lot of traction and stuff. Cool. Not that I really believe that strongly in browser games anymore. No. I just... I. Yeah, that's I, what my feeling is. I just well, don't think that's how people want to play games anymore. But mm, It's all on your phone, isn't it? In an app. Yeah, but I mean, these things work like phaser games. You can... They work quite well in mobile browsers, but yeah. even then, I think that like that's not. But you wouldn't think to go to a website, would no. you? you? Just think about tapping one of those rounded, cornered squares on your home screen. Yeah, and in a way, four years ago, when it, all the hype was around HTML5 and and how it was going to kill Flash, and I was yeah. like, well, is that really how people want to interact with stuff? I was sort of right. Like, HTML5 games never really did go anywhere. So no. Even though I was definitely wrong on, like, <laughs> it's all good for Flash, I was probably right on HTML5 games are somewhat of a, a dead end. Yeah. But there or you just go. just in browser games, maybe. But, yeah. I mean, they have their uses. And if, you have, if you're making a browser game, which you sometimes are, there's, these are this is a great way to do it, Phaser, Pixie. They're awesome. Mm. You can also put them inside like uh something like cocoon js or which is like basically like a uh, phone gap yeah and then turn them into apps cool so that's cool yeah nice well i think we should skip a few yeah yeah why not <laughs> no i wanted to talk about the internet of things twice yes since we've started because mainly because i want to plug my new workshop yeah but we don't have to plug my yeah, go on. It's selling all right. And it's sold out in two minutes. That's amazing. So, How many tickets? I know. Uh, 14. That's cool. On my first workshop. So I've added a new date going on sale tomorrow. I don't know. When's this podcast coming out? Maybe it's going on sale today. It's going on sale on Wednesday, 
Whenever that is relative to your personal timeline. You might, it could be two years ago, depending on when you're it listening. It could be. To. When's, actually, I was thinking we should probably, we should probably mention the date in our We podcast. totally should because... We should, shouldn't we? We should because it's going to be really weird listening back yeah. to, and go and we're saying things that make we're no saying sense. saying things that aren't, aren't, they don't. And you might just be listening on your iPod while you're out running yeah. and wondering why we're talking about, I don't know. What's really outdated? Yes, flares. We're talking flares. about flared trousers and sideburns. Oh. <laughs> I'm sure there's loads <laughs> of really irrelevant technology that we're making lots of irrelevant opinions about. Anyway, we're recording this on Tuesday, the 13th of January, 2015. We should put that at the beginning. Next time, let's yeah. do it at the beginning. Okay. Um, and the tickets are going on sale tomorrow, Wednesday at 11 a.m. And well, I hope they sell out. And um, what what does one learn? What does a student learn? Well, it's called. Um, stuff that talks to the interwebs. I'm trying to, to get away from using Internet of Things. Why is just, that? Just because I'm contrary. Right. <laughs> and also it sounds a bit icky. Stuff that talks to the interwebs is way more catchy. Yeah. And it, it converts to S-T-T-T-T-I. That just rolls off the tongue as well. S-T-4-I. The Internet of Things is a weird phrase, isn't it? I can't say that. S-T-4-I. Yeah. It's cool. It's a two-day workshop. I've spent ages getting these kits together with an Arduino Mega and a Wi-Fi shield. Loads of components, motors, LEDs, sensors, light sensors, distance sensors. Like this kit, 150 quid of stuff. I've been getting deliveries from China every single day. It's brilliant. I've got so much stuff. <laughs> Actually, can you see it? Look at that. Piles of stuff. Yeah, there's some plastic boxes. It works really stuff. well. On, on, on audio. Audio, yeah. The boxes are 20 centimetres by 40. <laughs> and some are bluish in colour. No, um, it's, uh, yeah, well, I was really nervous because obviously I've been running my creative JavaScript workshops for years, like I mentioned, and they've always been really, really popular. But I guess I don't do so much JavaScript anymore. I've just been doing loads of electronics and I just, it's much nicer to teach something that you're, your head is currently in you know i still yes. do a bit of javascript but it's nice and because i yeah because i feel like i've really been learning a lot about electronics and over the last few years it's just really nice to sort of share that um particularly with the arduino platform which is really fun and i've been writing all this node server side code as well i figured out how to get arduinos connecting to a node server in real time with web sockets so you can run the sort of code in your browser which connects to the same server as your electronic thing, whatever you've got. And it's just, you know, it's really fun. I was sort of thinking, well, anyway, I, I, was, I was worried because I thought it might be just a bit too niche. Right. I sort of think with creative JavaScript, then like web developers would be interested, right? Yeah. But um, I was worried that electronics might just be a bit too kind of specialist. Mm -hmm. um, but it turns out everyone's been really, really excited about it. And yeah sold out really really quickly so i'm extremely heartened um and i'm looking at taking it all over the place as well so yeah it's good it's cool and the whole like maker movement and 3d printing and all that stuff it's got people interested in making physical stuff in a yeah. way that people haven't cared about in years yeah and i think that's probably a direct result of the fact that our electronic goods are so hard to get into it's almost like a backlash, isn't there? Plus, of course, the internet, which makes it easy to share stuff. I mean, maybe it's also that, like, 
we're sort of desensitized to things on screens now and it doesn't seem neat as neat yeah. anymore and like well and making... we get excited about little led displays you know it's yeah like, it, in a way it really it's more is. exciting though because it's like yeah. that's an that's a technology that was inaccessible yeah and now, and it's, now accessible. it's accessible and now not only that but you can put it on the internet yeah which is really cool but i think we've run out of time we should do it we should talk more about this stuff it's going to happen because it's all I'm thinking about lately. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll have many opportunities <laughs> to carry on this conversation. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Do you want to plug your website where people yeah. can get tickets? Yeah. ST4i.com. Easy. Easy. Done. And let's do the plugs for the show. So it's facebook.com slash creative, creative coding, coding podcast. podcast. So go on there, please, and press like. Yes. Uh, a word that I've been trying not to say this week because last time <laughs> I said it about a thousand times. Which is more than we have actual likes Correct. on Facebook. <laughs> uh, then his Twitter is at cc underscore pod. Yep. Uh, go on iTunes. We're on iTunes. So just search for the Creative Coding Podcast on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps us loads. Even if it's not how you listen to the show, just hit subscribe <laughs> because that helps our chart rankings and that helps us get more listeners and people to find out about the show. Nice review would be yeah, nice. Our reviews would be fantastic. Like you guys we were brilliant. We haven't had any last... for about three years. Well, but last run, like they were brilliant. They left loads they of reviews. And... Which was very nice because we really have no idea if anyone's listening. No, so that's cool just for us to know that, like, that it's worth listen. it. <laughs> so that would be cool if you could give us a review on there. We're now on Stitcher, so if you search, if you, so obviously iTunes isn't on Android, so Android, it's not? no, <laughs> it's not. Android people, they get their podcasts other ways. On Stitcher. Weird at things. One of the ways they might do it, and it's also on iOS, is Stitcher, which is like this radio app thing. We're hmm. on there now, so if you search for a creative coding podcast, we need likes or you'll find on us. That, I think we? we need to appear in their Is listings. It? We need ratings. Okay. It says we need five ratings, but I've actually got the Stitch app on my phone and I can't see a rate button, so oh. I've got no idea how. Just go and do you're whatever. Do something you do, there, but know, what? I don't know. Let us know how that works. Let, yeah. And did we say Google Plus? No. We're on that as well, aren't we? What's the address for that? The the page is called Creative Coding Podcast, but I don't know um, how you get to so it. So it'd be Google plus it'd be plus.google.com slash plus creative coding podcast or something. We've no idea. Just we don't know. Search, search for that. Follow us on that or put us in a circle. God, it's so, very and then it's boring this section, isn't <laughs> it's it? It's really boring. Um, sorry about this. But this is good to get this stuff it's, out there. Also, yeah. give us if there's anything you want us to talk about. Oh yeah. So, Write it to give an app message to the twi Twitter. Twitter. That's probably a good way, yeah. isn't it? Do an app message to Twitter. the Twitter, yeah. Yeah, that's and good. That would be cool. Cool. And, and then we can answer your questions. And cool. So thanks a lot then. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.